Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. This is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome into Old School right here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. I am Rico. I am not DP. I am not Jay Foreman. And I am not joined by DP or Jay Foreman. I am joined by our very own Carter. Carter, how are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know, been an okay day. Got a little bit of a little bit of a uh, slight cough that I've been dealing with, but I, I'm going to fight through it here for, the, for this next hour and a half or so here. Well, you better, because please don't leave me alone. All right. I, I think won't. I can handle it, but I would rather not. I would rather have a co-host to bounce ideas off of. But old school, we are as old school as you can get, right? I mean, that's this is what you tune in for. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. I would probably, I think most people probably call us new school, but uh, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll pretend we're old school for today. I consider today. myself a Husker Hall of Famer just for just for this instance. Yeah, I'm old also st- an award-winning author. So yeah, see, perfect, didn't know. perfect. Old School brought to you by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Uh, the Mercado, I, I I can't do as as good of a job of explaining it as, as Jay Foreman does. Um, I do know they have wonderful cuts of meat, fantastic desserts, pasta. They have just about everything that you want out there uh, at the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. I need to get out there. They keep talking about the tomahawk steak, and I've always wanted to try one. I, I need to get out there and get one for myself because they look delicious. Yeah, they DP and Jay were grilling me a little bit yesterday when I was bored up for them about getting down there. And uh, I'm a big steak guy, so I would, I would love to go down there and, and try some. So. I'm, I'm upset with myself that I still haven't gone. I've been here for, for so long, and the, the multiple shows have been sponsored by the Mercado, and I just have not found my way down there yet. And uh, I really need to. I really need to get myself some, some steak and throw it on the grill. I mean, I got a smoker. I got to use. I got to make use of it somehow. So oh, yeah, there's nothing it'll, better than a smoked steak. No, it'll, it'll be fantastic. Sear it up a little bit, smoke it a little bit. It'll be fantastic. But, but, I digress. Uh, first things first. I want to mention Nebraska volleyball plays here in two hours. I believe it's six o'clock. Um, might be seven. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly. It, it either six or seven. It's fine. Go to the Big Ten Network. You'll find it. This game against Michigan State up in East Lansing, Nebraska volleyball will be playing the Spartans for the second time this season. Um, they swept them the first time back here at the Bob Devaney Sports Complex. Um, for John Cook's record-breaking win, uh, or or record-setting win. Um. So they'll be facing them again. They swept them that time. See if they can sweep them again. They are one of two teams in the Big Ten that are currently undefeated in conference, them and Purdue. Purdue, however, did get pushed to five sets by Iowa. And if you know anything about Big Ten volleyball, you know that Iowa is not the greatest volleyball school. Um, They have their moments. I mean, I think they took a set from Nebraska last year for the first time ever. Uh, last year they took one set from Nebraska, and that was the first time they'd ever done that. So they're not the greatest volleyball school, but they pushed Purdue, the only other undefeated team in the conference, to five sets. So, you know, Purdue maybe maybe might at be, might not be undefeated by the end of the weekend, but Nebraska, 
looking to keep their undefeated ways going. They've been on the road for once this road trip finishes. They're in East Lansing today. Michigan, uh, they play the Wolverines on Saturday um, and in, in, in Ann Arbor. Words are hard. Um, they will have been on the road for eight of the last ten days. So that's a thing. Not great. Not great. But uh, as long as they're getting their schoolwork done and they're, and they're putting in work on the court, that's really all you can ask for. I, I hope that they're enjoying themselves in, in whatever hotels and planes and buses they find themselves on. Um, but, yeah, eight of the last ten days, Nebraska Volleyball will have been on the road. Spartans today on Big Ten Network and streaming on the uh, FoxSports.com, I believe. Uh, and then Saturday, unfortunately, will be on Big Ten Plus if you have the subscription. If not, listen in to John Baylor and Lauren Cookwest on the Huskers Radio Network. Uh, and actually, I mean, do that anyway because they're fantastic at what they do. But, yeah, Nebraska Volleyball. Two more games this weekend, then they come home next weekend. Michigan State tonight, Michigan on Saturday. little confirmation, no, the game is 7 p.m. 7 p.m., got it, perfect. I will be able to go home and watch it because I really want to watch it. Um, and you can, you know, tune in to tune into my Twitter. Maybe I'll tweet some stuff out. I mean, since I'm watching the game, I might actually be able to. I wasn't able to last time because I was listening on my phone. And I'd have to go back and forth. It was just a mess. So I didn't get to do that. But I'll no, do my best no better Nebraska beat reporter than Rico. No, I'm really good at what I do. I'm, I'm, I've been learning from the other volleyball beat reporters, uh, most notably Lincoln Arneal. Uh, I should have had him on. Why didn't I have him on this week? We'll have him on next week. We're gonna have him on the happy hour next week. But yeah, so. I'll do my best to tweet out some some updates on Nebraska volleyball, but you guys should watch it anyway. Big Ten Network today, 7 p.m. But, Carter, I haven't gotten to pick your brain about the Huskers' first conference win this year against Indiana, a nice two-touchdown victory. What what did you take away from that game? What what was your what what did you glean from the offense and the defense and the special teams and the and the first win of the interim era of Mickey Joseph? I mean, I think the the obvious one is that the defense finally seemed to show up. I mean, the second half they didn't allow a touchdown, which was great to see. Um, they also did a pretty good job of stopping Indiana Indiana on the ground. Although they aren't really known for having a, a prominent rushing attack, they held them under three yards in attempt. So I mean, that's that's a great sign from the defense and then the offense, of course. Uh, they looked pretty solid as usual. Um, I mean, the one kind of head scratcher that happened during the game, of course, was uh, Casey Thompson took a sack that you know Nebraska's coach staff didn't love, and he came out of the game, and it resulted in a uh, kind of a disastrous play with Trevor Purdy in there. Um, so it, when something like that happens, obviously in hindsight, it's it's easy to kind of point the finger and say why why on earth would you take Casey Thompson out of there and look what it caused? Uh, but you know, when looking back on it though, at the same time, sometimes the guy does need kind of just a little. A quick little blow to kind of see what's going on. He was also getting his wrist taped up. I don't know if he was. There's actually any truth to that. I mean, there was a there was a media timeout and quite a bit of time in between that. So I don't know if there was really if that was really the reason or if they kind of just played that off. So they didn't have to really admit that he came out for just you know bad play. But <laughs> like um, you're getting your wrist taped up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. It was it was good to see Nebraska win. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that's all you wanted to see. And uh, in the pregame show last last week, I was I was kind of harsh. I think um, I in the pregame I. had said that because we were we did me Harrison and Alexis did the little you know mini one hour before the big one and you know Harrison had asked me what I thought Nebraska needed to do to win and I kind of went on a rant saying I'm kind of tired of always talking about what Nebraska needs to do to win and then we say the same stuff every single week and they just don't do it but uh this time they they did to a to a point I mean the the defense kind of still wasn't you know awesome I mean they still gave up 21 points in the first half to Indiana but 
they got more to that bend no break mentality, I think, and uh, that's that's what they're going to need to do going forward. And I think that sets them up well uh, going forward. And it was great to see Mickey get the first win. I mean, that's it, awesome. It was fantastic. I will counterpoint to your defensive argument about the first half. The defense technically only gave up 14 points in the it's first true. half. Yeah. Uh, the offense gave up the other seven, unfortunately, on that on that sack. However, uh, Pro Football Focus, if you looked at it after the ga- the, the day after the game or two days after, whenever they released their their gradings or whatever, uh, nobody on the offensive line for Nebraska was credited. Or, or discredited, whatever you want to say, with giving up a sack during that game because, unfortunately, I guess this could this could also be bad. Um, all three of the sacks came on rushers who were not touched by anybody, so you can't really credit or credit the offensive line with giving up a sack when nobody even attempts to block whoever got gets the sack. But so the defense, I, I, I thought, was much improved against Indiana with the way that they were not only um, tackling first off, which was fantastic. They were gang tackling. If one person missed a tackle, there was about two other people there right away, minus the the big run where where uh, their their running back broke two people's ankles. But we're gonna gloss past that. For the most part, the gang tackling was really good. Um, I thought that they flew to the ball at, at an extremely high rate. And somebody on the text line actually brought this to my attention yesterday. I believe the defensive backs have not been getting enough credit this week. Uh, aside from Mal- Malcolm Hartzog, who true freshman starting at corner did a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, all of the defensive backs, the safeties, the uh, Quentin Newsom on the other side did a fantastic job of, of forcing the ball out of many receivers hands, tipping, tipping balls, uh, swatting them down. Uh, there was the one interception by Luke Reimer. Um, but, but if you just look at the defensive backfield, they did a fantastic job, uh, minimalizing the amount of, of yardage and, and catches that, that Indiana was able to, to get. And, you know, we had somebody kind of get on us yesterday about how they were without their number one and number two receiver. I mean, Again, Nebraska was starting a true freshman at corner, so that's that kind of – you can take the number three receiver for Indiana if he's been there for a year or two. He's already got a leg up on, on a true freshman. It doesn't matter if he's a number three receiver. So I I, I don't want to look too, too deep into that. I think the defense did an amazing job, and it's crazy how much could change with the defense in, in such a short amount of time. Um, just kind of as, as Bill Bush said, going back to the basics and making sure – you're lined up first things first, not trying to get too fancy with your defensive schemes or your defensive play calling. Get the play in, get lined up, and then, you know, football is, and I know people might, you know, get on me about this, and and Jay Foreman, when he comes in later, I I believe he'll be in at 5 o'clock. Jay Foreman will be here uh, for his old school appearance. But for the most part, uh, football is pretty simple when you just kind of take it back to their bare bones especially on the defensive side it see ball hit ball you see somebody with the ball stop that person from going forward and it seemed like they I mean did a much better job of that against Indiana than they did in the first four games of the season especially against Oklahoma yeah no absolutely and you know kind of going back to your defensive backs point um, I kind of mentioned this earlier in the season. I think that the defensive backs got a little bit of a, a bad rep kind of due to some of the other position groups on the defense. I mean, when they were getting gashed in the run game like every single play and every single game, I feel like that kind of put a lot of pressure on the the defensive backs to kind of come up and play a little closer to the line of scrimmage than they probably would have had to and maybe had to keep their eyes up you know, near the line of scrimmage rather than on their man longer than they should have had to because... Frankly, the the D line and the the linebackers weren't getting it done in that initial you know mm-hmm. box. So the defensive backs had way too much run responsibility. And of course, when you have when you're worried about the run the entire time as a defensive back, you're not going to be 
as heads up when you come when it comes to the passing game. So you're right, they did play you know better overall, but I it, it was good to see them you know have the opportunity to do that with the D line and the linebackers playing better as well. So um, and you know the bye week too. I mean that couldn't have come at a better time. I mean oh, the, no. the the turnaround of the defense was magnificent, and you know all credit due to to Mickey and Bill Bush because. Um, I didn't really think it was possible. I again another thing that I kind of said on the post game or the pregame, excuse me, when I was again probably looking back, maybe a little harsh, but uh, I just didn't think those problems could be really fixed in a week. I mean, the fundamental issues that were going on with the defense early in the year with missing tackles, you know, not filling gaps correctly, you know, not shedding blocks the right way. Um, I just didn't feel like it would be fixed that fast. But obviously, a good coach and like you said, just getting back to basics, basics with alignment, not trying to be too fancy with it. Um, I think it helped a lot, and, and I'm glad it did. I mean, I never wanted them to fail. I was just pleasantly surprised that it didn't. Yeah, staying on the defensive side of the ball, I, uh, you mentioned the defensive line. I, I I noticed, I mean, the first play that Indiana ran, the defensive line got more push than I'd seen them get all season. I don't know what attributed to that because I I don't think in two weeks you can get that much stronger yeah uh, but something something lit a fire under them and and the entire defensive line got a lot more push and, and a lot and and was disrupting the pocket maybe not getting back there and getting sacks but forcing Connor Bazelak to you know step off of his spot and, and have to you know shuffle his feet and, and and redirect his eyes because the defensive line was getting such such an enormous push and that's exactly what we kind of you know, after everybody everybody transferred out or left, uh, and you were left with Ty Robinson being the most experienced defensive lineman that you had, it was a huge area of concern. And then the the reloading with a Devin Drew, with a with a Stefan Wynn, with an Oshan Mathis, even though I, I'm not sure what you consider him if he's a defensive end and edge rusher and outside linebacker, whatever you want to consider him, uh, with the re reloading of the defensive line it was supposed to become somewhat of a strength, and through the first four games of the season, it was one of the bigger weaknesses for Nebraska. And I think that whatever Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph and the rest of the coaching staff did re-energized the defense, not not only the, the entire defense, but the defensive line themselves to kind of rediscover that aggressiveness that we all believed that they 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 were coming into the season with yeah I mean that that was a, a big disappointment earlier in the, early in the season because like you like you said I mean there was a bunch of transfers that came in and uh, it was very exciting you thought they were going to be you know a strong group especially the edge guys um, with Garrett Nelson and Oshan Mathis and Caleb Tanner I mean again you know I don't know if you really consider them you know true D linemen because they're more just edge guys but mm-hmm. but still you know they're still kind of part of that group and uh, they just frankly weren't performing early on and it's great to see them you know back to getting after it and I mean, if anything, this just proves how much coaching really matters in college football. I mean, a lot of it has to do with just, like, emotion. Like, obviously, you know, guys got to be fired up to play, especially on the lines, in the trenches. You got to have, you know, some type of fire under you. And, you know, whether you kind of want to address it or not, um, obviously, it's you hate to keep going back to him because he's he's gone now. But, like, Scott Frost, I I don't think I ever saw a single ounce of emotion, you know, from him on the sidelines during games. It was very few and far between. Yeah, and, you know, you see Mickey, he gets fired up, you know, just about every play. And, of course, Bill Bush, obviously, you know, has a big part in it as well. And um, it it starts from the top down. And when your coaches are fired up, uh, your leaders get fired up, and then, you know, your leaders fire up everybody else. And it's, I don't know, it's it's just great to see kind of everything working out a little bit here for Nebraska in a game where they, they won a Big Ten game and now they find themselves tied for first place in the Big Ten West. Seeing the emotion that was expressed by the coaching staff and the players on the sideline was was 
something that had been lacking for quite some time. And I mentioned it in the pregame show um, that one of the things that I wanted to see, one of the things that I really wanted to see from this team uh, during that Indiana game, it wasn't, you know, the, the I mean, obviously like the effort and, and playing better and, and whatever else on the football field. But the one thing that I wanted to see was going into the fourth quarter, that third quarter to fourth quarter light show. I wanted them to be loose, loose enough or up by enough to let loose, be comfortable, and have fun. Dance on the sideline like they did the very first time they did the light show against Michigan. And you have that amazing gif of of Nick Henrich, you know, playing the air guitar, standing on the bench. I wanted the football team to 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 cut loose and to just enjoy the moment that they were that they were having. Because you've been in so many close games and you've you've lost every single one of them that being able to show emotion and have fun just seemed like an impossibility it seemed like if you showed any type of emotion that you were criticized because you know you weren't winning enough games to have fun or you know you were down by three points or a touchdown why are you smiling you should be upset that you're 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 not you know currently winning the game so just to to allow these these college students some of them kids some of them you know adults to some people i i consider all of them college kids i don't i don't care they're all kids they're all they're all you know in college they're all kids to me just to see them have fun and experience the moment and and be able to be kids is something that i i thought was very important and and i think is something that will will carry they they will carry with them especially after the win for the rest of the season. No, yeah, I, th- I thought one of, one of my favorite moments, too, was I think it was the end of the first quarter when, when Garrett Nelson got that big sack, um, and he, you know, got, started jumping around and, you know, flinging his arms around, and the crowd was going wild. And, I mean, that's just something that I didn't feel like we were really getting the, the last few weeks. You know, it was just a lot of – I mean, the crowd is always going to be there, and they're always going to be into it. But when the, when the players themselves are, you know, doing more to, to kind of fire them up, um, it just makes the the whole atmosphere even better and creates just that memorial, you know, that crazy memorial feeling where it's just like it kind of gives you the feeling where it's not waiting for Nebraska to lose. It's kind of waiting for Nebraska to win at that point, because I, I feel like that was something that was a big problem over the past couple of years as well is, you know, you're always kind of sitting in the stadium and, you know, maybe Nebraska's playing kind of well, but it doesn't they still seem kind of tight and the fans are still kind of just kind of sitting on their hands because they. They're, everybody was just waiting for the moment that Nebraska, when's, when are they going to make the play that's going to lose them the game? Yeah, Where, all the all the coaches kind of mentioned it during this week that on the sideline against Indiana that they didn't they didn't believe that the players had that feeling. Although uh, Mark Whipple says that that he still doesn't know if his players believe that they can go out there and, and you know do something crazy like win the West. But during that game, they they felt like on the sideline that there wasn't that feeling of. Okay, we're doing so well. When does the when does the mess up happen? When do we when do we you know pee down our legs and, and allow Indiana to run away with this game or or to take the lead really late in the game and then we're we're left you know just just holding back tears because we lost another close game. They said it didn't feel like that, and that, in my opinion, is a massive step forward for this football team. Yeah, and I mean it's all part of a culture change. I mean, we I thought you know there were certain times. You know, last year where I kind of thought maybe there was some moments where you know maybe Nebraska is really going to turn around here, and of course I'm not from Nebraska originally, so I I've never I don't really have the years of heartbreak of of all <laughs> of it happening, but I kind of started to understand it last year. You know, when the three and nine season happened and lose every game by single digits, and uh, you know it was just 
it, it's a sucky feeling, but uh, it's it was a needed change with with the coaching staff, and uh, hopefully, you know, going forward, that that kind of new feeling continues. Of you know, we what are we going to do to win the game? When's the play going to happen that we really put it away? Not we're not waiting for the moment that we're going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. And, and and now they move on. They flew out um, earlier today. They left uh, for New Jersey. They'll be playing Rutgers tomorrow night. They'll be the first game, first of four games tomorrow night, um, starting at 6 o'clock. They have a game following them at 6.30 and then two games at 9.30. But none of those games matter. The game at 6 matters to everybody listening here. Nebraska Rutgers out in New Jersey. And I, I, I don't want to look past this Rutgers team just because Nebraska got a win at Indiana before the season started when I was feeling good about this team regardless of the past and and regardless of the coaching staff issues and and whatever when I was feeling good about this team this is the one game that I kept circling and saying you have to watch out for this one I I, I believed Indiana was going to be bad so I was saying Nebraska is going to be coming off of a win against Indiana they'll have a divisional game the following week against a, a, a tough Purdue team and you have to go to Sleepy Piscataway on a Friday night. I, I I believe that this game was going to be a tough one. I still believe it's going to be a tough game regardless of the record and, and the fact that Rutgers doesn't really have the most impressive wins or the most impressive offense. I still feel like Greg Schiano is a really good coach, and he'll have his team ready for Nebraska coming into whatever they call their stadium. I don't, I don't know what their stadium is called, but you know, the Scarlet Knights stadium for a blackout that they're planning with the student section and everybody attending the game. Um, so I, I don't want to overlook it. Although looking at the statistics for their offense, I mean, it's not the greatest. I mean, their their starting quarterback has uh 640 yards on the season. He has 40 more yards passing than Anthony Grant does rushing. Uh, their starting running back has 210 yards rushing, and their best receiver, Aaron Crookshank, I know everybody knows that name and is going to be terrified if he gets a, a punt return or a kick return opportunity. I know I'll be. Um, their leading receiver is him at 172 yards receiving, uh, 20 receptions. So Nebraska's offense is far and away better than Rutgers, but the real question is can Nebraska's defense – replicate what they did maybe not in the second half. I keep saying this it doesn't have to be the second half defense where they shut out Indiana and held them to 78 yards total for the third and fourth quarter even the first half defense where they were you know getting pressure on the quarterback and, and doing all these things they still allowed two touchdowns that would that would suffice against a paltry Rutgers offense yeah I mean I think at this point in the season I think it's pretty clear that if Nebraska can just give up I, I would say on a on a you know, weekly basis, I think if Nebraska gives up like 24 or less, I, I feel pretty good about their chances of winning. I mean, the offense, you know, has looked pretty good all, all season long. I mean, the offense really hasn't been a problem at any point. I mean, they score a lot of points, right? The offense does. I mean, other than the Oklahoma game, they've scored, you know, four touchdowns or more in every game so far. So, you know, if the defense holds the other team to less than that, I, I feel pretty good about their chances of winning. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens on Friday night. Uh, I, you know, coming into the season, kind of like you mentioned, I thought they're, I thought Nebraska's probably four and one heading into this game, and you know, riding high and yeah. probably feeling pretty good. Maybe they played Oklahoma close, um, but that just frankly hasn't been the case this season. Obviously, things didn't turn out quite as well as we all hoped, um, but that doesn't mean that it's not too late to kind of continue turning things around because you know, beating Indiana was definitely a start. It's a Big Ten win. Um, it was you know a win that 
some people were not nearly as confident in as they were coming into the season. I know even a lot of people here on the ticket were picking Indiana to win the game. And so uh, it, it was good to kind of see them pr- prove people wrong for once um, in a good way. So it, it's, it's a good feeling in Nebraska right now, and hopefully that continues on Friday night. All right, well, up next, I'm sorry, Carter, but I'm going to have to kick you out. We welcome in Uncle Kev, Kevin Meyer of Myers Cork and Bottle for Thirsty Thursday here on Old School. I believe Mark's going to be joining me as well, but we'll try some new beer and wine up next on Old School. Get ready for Thirsty Thursday. You're listening to Old School with DP and J. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.